0: Hi, Bother Brigade. Uh, welcome to yet another episode of Progressive Profiles. With me here today is someone who should be familiar to several of you. If you saw my YouTube anniversary video, it's Lance of the Surf. So, um, hi, Lance. Uh, please tell us why you are a surf and how long you've been a surf for. <laughs>
1: um. Oh wow, I don't have an actual number on that. Uh, I want to say I've been I've been a, a streamer for two years. Uh, I have been on the YouTube's almost for four. Uh, and I was a podcaster before that. So it would be five years in analyzing media from a leftist perspective and trying to do a little bit of uh, comedy and dancing around that. Uh, and what was, what was the second part of the question? I only got the first uh,
0: <laughs> uh, How long you've been um, a surf for, uh, which I guess you kind of answered. Um, that,
1: that's the one I got.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other part was like why you're a surf. Like why the name The oh, Surf's, oh, right?
1: Like- oh, The Surf's. Well, um, so, me, my, our whole story is that we had a, um, me and my buddy Dave, we have a podcast, or I had a podcast where we talk about, politics and lefty stuff and uh when i was trying to think of names for it we we pitched a whole bunch of them some of them are terrible in hindsight some of them are kind of clever but one of them uh, i was just like what if we just refer to ourselves as serfs? because we're going to be talking about capitalism and how you know the, the dichotomies between different economic systems and stuff like that so and he thought it was funny and we just went with it so that's where that's where the name came from it's nothing nothing too exciting. I don't have a like, you know, well I come from a long line of, you know, my dad was a father surf and before him my grandfather was the great surf and so our legacy has been passed down through generations. No,
0: uh, s- surf's up, bro. Um yeah, but yeah, uh, there is that as
1: well? There um, is that as well?
0: So then then like the next question I guess is does Dave actually exist because when we see you stream cuz like you have your your Twitch channel you have YouTube yeah. and then you also have the podcast, right? So does Dave actually exist, or is this like you know the modern leftist cryptid?
1: <laughs> he um he very he is very real. He very much exists. You can look at our um our YouTube catalog to see how much Dave was actually in there. <laughs> he started streaming a little bit with me, but streaming as I I I don't know if you do it yet or if you do it on a regular basis. It's a very different experience, and I can see why streaming is a medium of communication or entertainment for people or even education um is uh is difficult for some people and uh it can it can have a lot of un um unexpected effects perhaps on you your mentor your mental health things you might not not expect so for everyone i don't know if it's like i wouldn't say hey everyone who wants to become uh, an entertainer or a communicator and leftist theory or thought you should stream because for some people it is like it's a little much just the the level of exposure and interactivity and, and stuff like that so he doesn't enjoy streaming Um, whereas like I, I, I enjoy it as a medium. Um, so that's why you'll, you don't see him on as many live shows. He pops up like every now and then when we do charity stuff, but he prefers to do YouTube writing and scripted stuff with me.
0: Yeah. Which I mean, that that's fine. That's still contributing to, um, the partnership. And as you guys said, you've been doing this for a while now. So then what's been like, uh, one of the best things about it, but also perhaps a challenge that you weren't expecting with regards to, um, creating content whether it's on twitch or youtube um i would say easily
1: the best thing about it and this is going to sound very uh cheesy and uh virtually uh is the solidarity that i felt initially when we came into the scene because we really blew up because our channel got taken down i i've been cancel cultured i was i was you know so so cancel culture is
0: real then okay
1: Yes, uh, it is. It, the cancel culture happens to small, little leftist channels <laughs> where the channel just disappears because a whole bunch of right-wing assholes mass-flag it. That is that is true cancel culture. Um, but then the only reason we got it back was just a whole bunch of people online. All these like lefties I'd never met before or talked before were just all just signal-boosting the story. And then all of a sudden, it was in a couple days, YouTube was like, hey, your channel's back. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Um, so that was the best part. Even though I know that feels fewer and far between nowadays, it just seems like every day online uh leftism is is just a lot of fighting uh which uh, i I will not i will not deny it feels like that um but um that was that was probably one of the best if you're asking one of the worst um
0: or or at least i don't think like challenging or like surprising in a not good way of like oh this is a thing
1: yeah uh, i would i would say probably um i was not prepared for what Um, becoming very large on the internet, either on the Twitter is a really good example, or streaming as well. Um, What kind of effect that can have on your mental health if you haven't started to navigate it properly, or if it happens very quickly. Like there's some people I find who, uh, overnight, they'll become just this online sensation or something like that. And then I know what is happening in their in their notifications, right? The notifications have gone from like, when you click on Twitter once or twice a day, you'll see like, oh, I've got 10 new things, a couple likes, a couple things. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's always at 20 plus, as yeah. in it's into the hundreds or the thousands. And at that point, a lot of people don't know what it feels like to have thousands of strangers telling you the worst possible things about yourself right like that's it's just not a I don't think it's a thing that anyone has been born or you're not born under you, you'll never know how to process that until it starts happening to you and then when it does it does a lot of really weird and unexpected things that no one can prepare you for uh mentally so the one the one thing I'll say is that like it doesn't surprise me it, it breaks my heart but it doesn't surprise me. That you'll see so many big accounts that a couple of years ago were putting out amazing videos and, and analysis and content. And then all of a sudden, they've, they've all either started being more quiet online or they don't put out as many things anymore. Or it's just because, like, as I guess all the vitriol has ramped up so much from pandemic to potential global war, um, mm-hmm. it, it, also online, the, the anger everyone has towards each other has gotten a lot more uh, pointed. Let's say that.
0: No, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, it's part of why I want to do this is to sort of humanize people on the left and in progressive spaces. Um, and That's like, I, I, can, I can already feel that for me, things have changed a bit. And um, I was actually talking about this in uh, the previous episode, well, not previous episode, but one of the previous episodes with uh, Thought Slime about how like the push for algorithmic success and so it's like, oh, I'm not doing well. And it's like, stop, hang on a second. I have how many thousands of subscribers on YouTube and how many thousands on uh twitter following me and still like liking Mm -hmm. retweeting whereas before it was very much like shouting into the void with narian interaction and so before Mm -hmm. it's like oh i'd be super happy and ecstatic to crack over 100 views and it's like oh if i do you know under 200 within the first uh 24 hours that's bad for me now right whereas before it's like i got 100 in one week yay and now it's like hmm not up to my usual snuff like and and I'm aware of that that but like eh? it's it's a it's a sign that like I'm on that (laughs) bad path right
1: (laughs) yeah in that like you're never satisfied path I like I'm I'm not going to posture and say there's probably a much better way of anal- like doing an analysis of this, where it's like, well, this actually has a lot to do with the inherent competitions and capitalism and the structures there, and and that how I, every single one of us like, right? I'll say I'll I'll say one thing, and people again, this is probably people who might not believe this and think I'm virtue signaling, but one of the things that is really cool about content creation left spaces, and I think it's still the case. Is I do not have um, like an uh, an inherent anger or jealousy when I see accounts smaller than me blew up if I really like their their messaging and their content because to me like. So I'll give you an example Jose and we're in hell they were two very small accounts that I used to promote a lot because I was like I really like Jose's videos I really like we're in hell's videos I think he's really funny Jose's got this amazing voice and they both surpassed me so much like I think now one of them's into like 150,000 subs uh, the other is like gonna be cracking like the 200,000 club soon And I'm genuinely really happy about that, because those are two channels that I was always like, oh, I love these guys. They they put out such good stuff, and then I saw them explode. Whereas, like, I think in other kinds of, like, non-leftist spaces, that might not be the case. Like, I think there might be this inherent, like, we're all in competition with each other. I only succeed at the cost of you, and I will pull you down to pull you up, right? But you're totally correct in that, and you're already experiencing this. You're doing better than you were ever probably doing, I don't know, like, a year ago? Yeah, in every possible sense. Right. You got and like, having thousands of followers is no small thing. Like you literally have, like, think of what 3000 4000 5000 people are. That's like, that's like, you know, a, like a little soccer stadium of, of human beings who are like, I trust this person enough that I'm going to watch his videos and, and see what he has to say on this given topic and that right. So that alone should have anyone be like, that's incredible. I'm, I'm so satisfied. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But you aren't. Everyone's always. Yeah. Like, it's, but it's I, need, I need. to get thing, to that next. Right? Yeah. What's the next goal? What am I hitting? Ten thousand? What am I hitting? Fifty thousand? If I'm not in the hundred thousand club, at some point, I failed. You know, I need that that plaque. The plaque yeah. That yeah everyone wants the silver. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but um, it, it that also touches on on something else though about um you you had said just a minute ago that. Uh, when we see smaller accounts that blow up, we love it. And I'm very much in the same boat. I've seen some people where they started later than me and were smaller than me. And then they just like, they're already over like 10 or 15,000, but I'm like, I love their stuff. And so I'm really happy that people are like, seeing it like there's there, i'm not gonna lie and there I'm is a part of me messaging. that's like but also watch my stuff too like it may have a crumb <laughs> of thine audience good sirs. um but like it's, it's not like outright jealousy it, it is like you know mm-hmm. i'm so happy that like more people are seeing and enjoying their amazing stuff like you pointed out where mm. i think though the competition kind of emerges with the left Mm-hmm. Is and like not to you know try and cause drama or anything, but just something that I've noticed over my like nearly two years doing whatever the hell all this is, um, it really feels like there is a real competitive edge in terms of like uh, online clout and like a points based system in terms of who's a real leftist or not, and how that also oh, ties okay. into like debating and who interacts with who. I'm not going to get mm-hmm. into again like drama stuff, but. I remember for me it like maybe you feel the same way, but for me where this became really clear was uh, when we were all talking about AOC at the Met Gala and her um, tax the rich dress. And like there were actual protesters outside the Met Gala who were being arrested, who were trying to bring attention mm-hmm. to very real issues in the community and like inequality and stuff like that. Right. And yet all people could talk about seemingly on the left was aoc's dress and how she's the hypocrite for you know going to the Met gala and like working with this Mm -hmm. person like the the designer who was like canadian and like avoiding taxes and stuff like that so it really felt like a lot of people were trying to be like oh yeah aoc well i know better than that you're fake leftist please give me the internet points now and there was (laughs) nary a mention of what should have been the focus which were the protesters outside, mm-hmm. which was like, hey, if we're actually serious about being on the left and showing solidarity, and if you still wanted to criticize AOC in some capacity or what she's participating in, why wasn't that part of the conversation? Instead, it was just about digging at AOC. And I'm like, this isn't productive. What, is this a spectator sport now where we're trying to get points about who's a bigger, better leftist? Like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's how it definitely came across to me. And I just became very cognizant of that. Can you feel the same or
1: yeah i i think that happens on a regular basis i think there is a aoc is a hypocrite industrial complex at this point right like there's a whole there's a whole industry of people who usually focus their entertainment and their their target i i should say is aoc uh, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with criticizing AOC. I think we should criticize AOC. There's a handful yeah. of things vote specifically in which AOC either has voted like present in something in which she could have actually impacted that that vote itself by not voting in present at that time. There's times like that where I'm like, yes, it's right to criticize AOC. I think people also uh don't have a realistic understanding sometimes of the necessity to have large figures uh that are uh, they they serve a benefit for a number of reasons. AOC is very good at fundraising, which, you know, that's that's what people should look towards if they're like, uh, what does AOC do that as well? I was like, well, she re- she's really good at fundraising for causes and she's also really good at drawing media attention towards something through what she advocates for and talks about. She's not the, like going to be the arbiter of like she's not going to the vector that brings in socialism or communism right so i think a robust critique of the things where she fucks up is fine combined with the fact that like you don't i don't think people appreciate sometimes how normies need people like an aoc to be able to like turn to like you need people who are social media darlings unfortunately i'm sorry this is just the, the world in which we live in uh because at the end of the day, like the, the average person scrolling through TikTok is not going to be getting to a Zizek video and that's going to convert them, right? then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I understand <laughs> this. Oh, this, you know, the things that the Zizek TikTok to video is going to be AOC who talks about some of the things. You're like, okay, this is neat. She doesn't go far enough. She's like a sock dem at best, but now I'm kind of interested in these ideas. And now I can start ideally going down like a rabbit hole or something, right? And then I guess the, the bait is always in a you know, I'd like to know what you think about this between how much she accomplishes in that versus how much does she take away uh, from actual activism or people who might do that because they are buying into more of a, like a cult of personality through that is the problem, I guess.
0: No, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and I agree that like we should criticize people um, on our side, but it's just the way in which it was being done that felt very much like, it was about cloud chasing or like some kind of weird, like politics is spectacle sport kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's just always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, But of course, like, yeah, she's fundraising efforts. That's great. We're all human. We mess up. I mess up. You mess up. Like we're, we're we're human. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but with that, um, the kind of still return to the whole leftist content creator sphere without trying to, you know, stir up too much drama and stuff like that. Um, you Do you po- want me to say Jimmy Dore out loud? Is that No, 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 no. no. It's <laughs> not about that. No. Um, but uh, just, just like in terms of, you know, you doing streaming, appearing on other panels, bringing on certain guests, being on Twitter a lot more than, say, your average uh, person or Twitter user, that obviously comes with like certain challenges. You mentioned uh, mental health. So, like, what are healthy coping mechanisms that you've developed that you could also share with other people? who might be struggling with this or have been, like, doxxed or are facing harassment and abuse from whoever it may be online. Like, what, what would you offer to these people?
1: Uh, the first one would be, if you're get- like, okay, here's- here's the truth. I'm- I am a cis dude on the internet. So like a lot of the things that I advocate for that will eventually get me a lot of backlash maybe comes from communities that normally wouldn't attack someone who you know, looks white is cis, all that kind of stuff on the internet is male presenting all of this stuff. Uh, and all of a sudden, because I'm like, well, uh, trans rights are human rights, that's when they target me. So for a lot of people, they already get that in everyday life all the time, right? Like, that's just their lives just by virtue of existing, they get that kind of targeting and death threats. For me, I get that if I start trying to vocalize or defend them, right, uh, at any given point, then I'll get, like, an email saying, like, hey, you should Roblox yourself and Roblox and things like that. <laughs> um, but, well, okay, honestly, though, that that's either coming up periods in my life when I've, I've really pressed on, like, I'm going after this because I think it's just deplorable what they're doing to the trans community, or someone will just outright say something about me that has multiple people believe a lie, like, you know, you're funding a terrorist organization like Hamas. Both of those will result in like, a lot of email death threats kind of things. They, like, one thing I, I would say is, like, learn how to pull yourself out of the white noise of commentary because there are there are times when I think people, if you're going up against another creator, if you're on Twitter and you're like, Tim Pool, you're, you're garbage poo-poo caca, subhuman, or whatever you say to him, right? He and his fans are most likely going to come after you in return. So if you're intentionally antagonizing big groups online and you don't have or you're not in a, in a secure place mentally to deal with the backlash of that, I would pick a different venue of online activism, right? Like, there's a lot of other ways you can go about it. You can be like, today I'm going to be tweeting about a teacher strike. Today I'm going to be tweeting about this and that. I'm going to stay away from having an antagonistic kind of online battleground way of doing things if if that is what helps you if if you are completely insecure with tuning out white noise of strangers saying really mean things to you uh for a variety of reasons then maybe that's a a tactic you should go down but in terms of like how do you how do you uh cope with it outside of it uh the adage is true the 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 not eat grass but the touching grass just the idea of and it doesn't have to be i know some people say that it's ableist so not everyone can go outside but i just mean not online by by when I, I mean that i mean and i mean like you know we we're all fighting i i would assume on the left for like you know the the liberation of all peoples for for the, the you know the collective humanity and and then preservation of the future of earth whatever uh, you know cartoon slogan you want to say um so if that's the case then some of the best things are the, the fellowship of other people, friendships, hanging out, doing things like that, whatever whatever it is that you enjoy doing. I know some people like sailing boats, uh, some people like uh, playing video games, watching uh, the new Batman, which I saw yesterday, which was quite, quite fun, quite pleasant. Uh, okay. Some people, it doesn't matter what it is, right? But I just mean not consistently being online. Like Twitter is just de- like despair porn. Right now right (laughs) so
0: (laughs) Uh, you're 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 not wrong also see my channel yeah it's like hi everyone here's some bad news that you should know about today (laughs) but Um, i'm sure like
1: you know i've seen your videos you put a positive spin on things and you don't leave them with uh here's the thing that sucks in the world and you should all feel really shitty Buy. It's 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 like it's like okay, here's the thing that sucks in the world, here's why it bothers me, here's my media analysis of why I don't like the way in which other people are talking about this. And then maybe here's what you can do about it, or here's here's like here's something that could help, or here's an alternative to that, right? Like that's that's important for people too. It can't always just be, especially coming from the left, here's why these things suck because like that that's the easy part we, we all know that it sucks maybe figuring out why it sucks and how it got there is a little trickier and then analyzing why other people lie about why it sucks is trickier on top of that but then the hardest thing to do would be like how do we change that tangibly and collectively to work towards a better solution to this problem
0: yeah and and that also touches on something that uh Camazot said when he was here um the diversity of tactics right so and you mentioned Mm -hmm. that about dave and like he's not really a fan of streaming so you know Mm -hmm. for some people it's irl activism or they're just you know spreading the good news on twitter or they're doing streaming or they're doing youtube or a podcast whatever it may be some people may do multiple forms of these um And I think that's good and why like you know it's part of what this is is I got like or trying to get all different kinds of people different genders different races different leftist perspectives so it's like I I, and I don't just want like streamers and youtubers I want like activists and authors and doctors like all Mm -hmm. different kinds of of people to come on and sort of humanize the left for a lot more people and maybe also introduce them to some uh cool peeps and I guess that means i want to briefly talk about um you and like how we know each other is i was very much a baby content creator and you and Cristoval valise were basically like the two earliest accounts that kind of picked up on me like oh you know what this guy actually seems like legit doing good stuff and you were like following me reblogging my stuff like i was like oh these are like really big accounts doing this this is wow thank you guys so much um and so, like, we've technically known each other for a while now, which, again, kind of feels weird. Do you get that feeling with other, uh, like, people on the left or content creators when you, like, meet them, play games with them, do fundraisers with them? Like, like the fact that I was able to interview Thought Slime, who was one of the first, like, leftist content creators I found out about, was kind of a surreal experience internally. I was like, <laughs> this is actually happening okay like do you oh and, and the they're way?
1: and they're and they're normal people at the end of the day yeah <laughs> just a regular old you know wonderful non-binary individual that that thought slime uh yeah i mean I, it, I i never stopped having my mind blown by uh you know meeting people who i've uh admired for a super long time or meeting people or having like you know that one of the first people who ever commented on anything i did or, or retweet some of my stuff was hassan piker And I know now talking about Hassan Piker is to talk about, like, the God Lord King or whatever it is, because he's, like, he's just so massive and doesn't, like, actually talk to anyone anymore except for famous people, <laughs> which may be true. That's fine. But, like, I will I will give him the credit in that he was one of the first people to comment in a, a YouTube video when I only had, like, 5,000 subs, uh and it was, like, the actual count. Like, me, me and Dave lost our minds. We're like, holy shit, that's the real Hassan! Um Fair And, enough. like, uh you know, multiple other accounts have retweeted me when I was, when I was not there. I think if anything my my uh, take on that would be uh everyone else keep doing that you know bother boy Re- keep retweeting smaller accounts uh thought slime keep do like every I think like there's it's free <laughs> it's always been my view on that it's like it does not cost me anything to hit those those retweets or those like buttons you know don't uh don't it, be shy. It, otherwise what's the point it why, why am i giving zero away all dollars my to life? show solidarity <laughs> yeah. yeah zero dollars for that and what what is otherwise twitter is just like like i said because it's like doom porn you spend all day on there getting angrier and madder when people are like when people don't promote themselves through their twitter channels or don't promote other people i'm like then what is the point none of us are paid to do this none of, like we waste our time we're so addicted to it but for what? For more anger? Like, you know, how they might as well use it to, like, spread charities and stuff like that. By the way, shout out to um, uh, all the people doing Yemen charities right now. There's, like, a lot of really good ones. Liv, Live Algar is doing a charity on that. Jordan is doing one as well uh, from TYT. So, yeah, all, all the Yemen charities, awesome. Really good stuff.
0: Well, I don't know how well-versed you are in, um, like, foreign affairs, but Yemen's actually a story I've been following since the Arab Spring. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's been actually very frustrating to see how it has just completely fallen by the wayside. People aren't aware of what's going on. The sides involved, the complexity, the war crimes, like just all the terribleness and still like it's, it's one of the worst humanitarian disasters right now, but yet repeatedly someone else always got the focus. Um, yeah. But uh, I, again, I don't want to focus too much on the bad stuff and quiz you on like, Yemen stuff. <laughs> you don't want to bring up,
1: in, in your happy show about humanizing people, you don't want to bring up Yemen. <laughs> well, well,
0: like, okay, like, we, we, we have talked about <laughs> the worst subjects on this show, but it's usually in a f- no, more no, casual and fun I tone. Obviously. Um, no,
1: I'm there, there could not be a more depressing topic, to be honest. It's going to be yeah. the biggest food insecurity um, crisis for children, maybe in human history or our lifetimes at least.
0: yeah i'm i'm very tired of living in historic times let me tell you yes Um, yes but uh there was something you said though about twitter and like everything being very doomer and you know go out touch grass and yeah like there's times when i just think you know what that's enough twitter for today like that's it put it down like i watch a movie i like go snowshoeing or something in the winter go for a walk when it's nicer weather like now um i have my coping mechanisms but um one thing that I do appreciate about Twitter uh, from people like you and also Chill Goblin and basically anyone else who can have, like, really funny or, like, dry humor-based takes on something, it really lightens <laughs> the mood on the timeline. Um, oh, uh, I, 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 okay, I, I, I sincerely
1: appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, Chill Goblin is so funny. Everyone go follow Chill Goblin
0: for sure. Yeah, ho- but hopefully I, having I, him I, I and, uh, we're that. in hell on the show at 1.2. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. But, I, like...
1: Honestly, there there are times when I'm I, I'm intentionally sitting there trying to think of a funnier way to to talk about something because I do my timeline is also just filled with doom, like just and like for I understand it. If someone sees something that really, really, you know, is, is just uh, it, it strikes them like viscerally. It's like, oh man, this is so fucked up. I got to tell the world. Like it's I, I never feel that people are like just doing it for cloud or whatever it's just like everyone gets that feeling you you all know this it doesn't matter if you have a small account or a massive account when you see something that pisses you off you want to talk about it and that's the whole reason the ai pumps this kind of stuff right so it gets to you you get really angry you retweet it you get angrier right so there are times when i'm like i i do want to i do want to play with some comedy i'm not all the time i'm clearly and you're probably the same way i'm clearly just rage tweeting sometimes too it's it's hard not to when the not gonna fault the, you for the stakes it. are so high
0: yeah (laughs) but um yeah i'm I'm glad you you brought up comedy because that was something that i uh wanted to touch on because we had talked about it in the previous interview for like my youtube anniversary video um and you said that like you would like to uh get a bit more into like comedy because like that the at the time you're uh hasan piker like come video had oh, yeah. just dropped and i was like <laughs> oh my god this is amazing and like you got david Dolan in there too like it, it was impressive um thank you and so like i've i've also you know uh, been on your streams it. and it's it's very fun, cozy, jovial, like cracking some jokes, being very silly, like pronunciation or like gesticulating strangely for uh, the memes, <laughs> and like, it, 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 it it's fun, right? It, it kind of like helps to lighten the mood when you are talking about some pretty like depressing or shocking or outright horrifying content. So like w- whether it's just doing a deliberately more comedy or comedic style video or wanting to lighten the mood on your stream like how how does that process work for you in terms of like trying to find something that's like funny or it's like cringy in a funny way or silly like what what is your kind of approach i guess for lack of a better term for when you're doing the videos like with a script and also just when you're streaming live because that has to obviously you know be done in real time
1: in yeah, imp- yeah, streaming live is basically improv. So if you like improv and improv comedy or stand up or stuff like that, that's that's what I'd equate it to in terms of the feeling, and then scripted is scripted, you just get to do what you want. Um for for me, I like I don't know if it's as a defense mechanism from when I was younger or just the way I've always been, but I've always kind of had a mind that is consistently thinking of like what is a funnier or, or funny spin or take on what's happening in front oh, of me you right were now that
0: kid in class
1: okay yeah like, yeah i was definitely that kid in class <laughs> um but i was also the kid in class who like got bullied and tried to use that uh as a tool to try and fight other bullies right so like if a bully was bullying someone well if i could be funnier than the bully or make fun of the bully instead of that and they were embarrassed enough maybe they'd stop bullying both of us kind of thing that used to be hmm. one of those one of those strategies that i came from but i also i for me, it's also that like you're you're right. Sometimes you are talking about things in which I don't think it is appropriate. I mean, there's like there's nothing that you cannot joke about. You can joke about anything, whether or not your joke is going to a- either be offensive or racist or ableist or something like that, that, that's up to what the joke, the punchline, all the things that it's crafted about are are going to be targeted towards, right? So if you're talking about something like we were just talking about Yemen, for example, is there a lot of fertile ground for humor in that? And my answer would be probably not but there are probably angles in which if we're talking about this we could come at it from an angle that doesn't make fun of the actual structures of power and actually sorry that makes fun of the actual structures of power goes after the oppressors rather than the oppressed in that case and i think it is a noble pursuit to do comedy even it could be in the darkest of places as long as that's the direction in which you're pointing it um because that is the biggest thing for comedy for me is that at the end of the day i I think you should be able to joke about anything but you know whether or not your joke is going to be used as a vector or a tool to continue the oppression of someone else then in my opinion you are using comedy for the wrong purposes all you are doing is reinforcing structures of power by marginalizing people right by going after people for this variety of reasons where you could go in the opposite direction you could go after and that in my opinion has always been the best comedy. That's always been what I think is is, is the most transformative, uh, is, is if they actually go after those very structures themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, like part of why, you know, um, George Carlin still gets referenced and talked about so much today is because a lot of what he was talking about and joking about were about these systems in place that led to like the weird observations in society that he was ostensibly commenting on. But he, he, like, would criticize the media. He would criticize government. He, he wouldn't be like, you know, you know who really gets on my nerves? Black people. Like, it, it wasn't like <laughs> that, right? So he wasn't like, you know, your, your racist boomer cousin at Thanksgiving, right? Like, it, it was completely- And there was
1: a lot of that 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 style of comedy you just mentioned, that there was a lot of comedians who would do that and still yeah. do today, right? Well, yeah, so and
0: and feel so, feel, so feel, like, there is such feel a feel thing about. as timeless comedy or at least, like, relevant comedy because it touches on... Mm-hmm. Perhaps if we want to call them universal truths or something um, or Mm -hmm. experiences that people can have. And so that's still relevant, you know, years, decades, a lifetime uh, Mm -hmm. into the future. Um, A related comedy question I have. Does Dave write some of the jokes? And if so, how many?
1: For which platform? He tweets. I'd say I tweet about 70% of the time. He's about 30% of the time, or the tweets. Uh, for the YouTubes, yeah, we both usually write. Uh, it depends on how big the project is. Our Gamergate video. Was a massive project probably one of the biggest ones we've ever ever undertook so that mm-hmm. required both of us writing quite a bit on a variety of topics because it just went all over the map like i think at one point i was like okay this clearly is all aiming like moving towards steve bannon so we have to do a well-researched thing on steve bannon so he's like okay i'll read the books and then i'll, I'll do a thing so he was the one who, who spit that out there um but then yeah he doesn't do anything for the streams because that's just me live streaming yeah, yeah. in real time and then he doesn't uh we don't really podcast anymore so that's Dave still works quite a bit on that one YouTube channel uh, with me, because um, he still he doesn't do this as a, a full time gig. He's got like he's got his own job and he's got his own family stuff, and I mean like he also does IRL activism in a really cool way and has his whole life just part of being like he's he's sick, and so he's been part of that community for a very long time. And they've always done this thing where they make communal meals for uh you know this the general community every like Sunday. Uh, at temple which is like unreal so like wow. I've, I've i've worked with him on that before but that's just that's just kind of his life they've always him his family his community they've always been very like let's be generous let's feed people let's do this right as opposed to like for, uh, for me growing up like uh, we didn't have a direct connection i guess to everyone who who lived around us uh, so I, I never knew what that was like until you start growing older and you meet other people who do that kind of stuff Sorry, that wasn't directly related to the comedy question.
0: Oh, no, but that was re- still a good answer, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> before before I I change this, though, I do want to tell you one thing about comedy and 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 the leftism. I know there's two schools of thought. There is the uh, the edge lords who are going to be very edgy and and aggressive online, whether that be an edgelord, I'm sorry, but it it, it can be on Twitter. I I would be what some people might call an edgelord on Twitter as opposed to in streaming or in videos where I'd really try and like soften maybe some of my, my more aggressive things. But it could be in streaming, could be on YouTube, doesn't matter your medium, but there are people who are far edgier with their comedy. For me, I really like the 4D chess of trying to figure out a way of insulting an absolute wretched bully uh, awful human being but not doing it in a way that also marginalizes other communities along the path right so in service of taking this person down can you do it without being ableist racist transphobic and my answer would be absolutely 100 you can and it requires a little bit more creativity there are there are now layers within layers and even that that even includes like racial humor and i can just provide you one quick example i think the idea and people don't realize sometimes of doing uh, like, uh, impersonating a character that happens to be ethnic, right? So when Steven Crowder impersonates ethnic characters and stuff, they don't really understand the long history of how the impersonation can other uh, other groups, marginalized communities, whatever, and how this has a long history, both in cinema as well as theater in the United States and Canada. And so this is why this is this is a difficult ground to navigate. But then there was a case where Alec Baldwin's wife, who does use a very strong accent, right? It turned out she was making that accent up. It turns out she's 100% white and she's been faking the accent that she uses, right? And so it's like, okay, well, there's a good ground for comedy because while it would be racist, sorry, it would be slightly problematic to impersonate directly just someone who uses that accent itself, to impersonate the impersonator, in this case, is actually kind of funny to me. Because this is a new, I was like, hey, this is this is a new, uh, let's say, progressive form of comedy. We're going to not make fun of her making fun of the accent, but we're going to make fun of her making fun of her making fun of the accent. <laughs> just because I thought it was just so ridiculous. That point, that, yeah. yeah, it was It was just so meta at that point, right? Obviously. But no, I I, I also oh thought that was God. just a really funny story. Yeah, I, that she had been doing I, I that. I didn't
0: know that. I, I learn new and horrifying things every day, apparently um and earlier uh, you had mentioned gamergate so yes I want to talk about uh, this video of yours because um it's big it's long and it touches on uh, a... Interesting topic. I, I, a part of me was going to try and like segue in with, um, and, uh, speaking of jokes, Gamergate. But then you started talking <laughs> about Gamergate anyway, and you just cut off that opportunity for me. So, yeah, like, let's actually talk about Gamergate and, um, sure the the like i guess um too long didn't read for people who are watching this and maybe aren't aware of this whole thing that happened to incredibly oversimplify a lot of people started attacking uh video game journalists for being woke for talking about games and so it was like this whole kind of like cultural pushback from gamers about people attacking them it's a gross oversimplification there's a ton of nuance (laughs) here uh which of course you actually get into in your video and like you said before, that was also a massive undertaking. So please tell us a little bit about this video, like the research and just like the horrifying stuff involved, like go off. (laughs) Uh, I
1: started this project thinking that we would be done it in at least three months tops, uh, maybe two. And it was a topic that I didn't know enough about, which is why I wanted to go into it. But also I saw from multiple people who I'm friends and contacts with who are really big in gaming journalism who happen to be women or uh, femme presenting, uh, non-binary femme presenting as well. So people in that sphere were complaining a lot about how to this day, they are still having a very hard time in gaming journalism coming at it as, as a woman uh, writer, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like you still get condemned if you wanna bring up issues of sexism, if you want to bring up issues of transphobia, if you want to bring up issues that all, the, for some reason, have been characterized by the right as being woke. So I started learning about GamerGate, and it's one of those things where I had a very cursory understanding of it, like you just described, but I'd always believed that the whole thing hinged on one individual, and this individual happened to be a gaming journalist, and they uh, were accused of sleeping with... Oh, sorry, they weren't a gaming journalists, they were a game developer, and they were accused of sleeping with Multiple men in exchange for favorable reviews of their video game. And that was what I just knew. That, that was like the the end-all be-all. That was like the, the, the big inciting incident in Gamergate that mixed with a, a feminist uh, show called Feminist Frequency. And Feminist Frequency was basically going to analyze video games for the first time, really, from a very uh, feminist academic perspective. And it was coming from an individual who also didn't come from the gaming community. She hadn't played a lot of video games in her life, but she was now going to analyze video games and take a look at it. And the backlash both of those incidents got on the internet was something that had not been seen before. And this is a phenomenon that continues to this day, but it's one that involves a lot of very, very angry men On the internet and for a variety of reasons as we live more and more terminally online and that aggressive misogynistic kind of undercurrent that uh, you know lies underneath a lot of the culture that we don't understand because we don't think about it we don't look at the numbers we don't look at this online kind of what about uh recruitment for various groups whether they be incel ideology or red pill ideology or alt-right ideology how does online anger play into that and before any of us had really looked at this and analyzed this uh, from an academic standpoint because now there is research on this you can look at Rebecca Lewis has written a great paper on this I've uh, heard on the of alternative that paper, media I think. network yeah it's it's a really really fascinating read on how the just an interconnected pipeline that kind of leads people down radicalization and thinking online but anyways you know who did know, realize this was Steve Bannon. And that was the part of the story that I didn't know and that no one else had told. And then that's when I was like, oh, my God, we we have to go deeper. We have to we have to go deeper into this and see how far this goes. And it just kept going and going. and, And then but it's not like it's not conspiracy theory stuff. This was like well documented, everything from his utilage of Facebook's data in Cambridge Analytica, right, to be able to try and influence both elections from Brexit to Trump his ability to understand how online culture worked was so far ahead of the time because he was smart enough and and it was a sheer thing of luck. He had a company where he was basically working to do what's called gold mining in World of Warcraft. And so he was basically getting people in mining farms that could be in different countries. They would be either in like South Korea or Taiwan or something. But people would spend hours and hours and hours mining gold in World of Warcraft to then sell because people wanted to upgrade themselves so quickly that they would sell real money and trade it for gold in the game. And that was their whole idea. That was the principle behind it. And the backlash against that from Blizzard and video gamers, just gamers in general, was so aggressive That they had to put a stop to this entire industry blizzard the corporation caved to the will of the gamers who like it was the forums it was the backlash they were just online and angry and steve bannon saw this and was like whoa the power the power of this online male rage i had no idea about this and they actually brought a multi-billion dollar international corporation to their knees these gamers did this and so that's when steve bannon was like this is my next project. This he, is this is where I'm going with this, right?
0: He discovered the dark side. Yes,
1: he did. He just dis- he discovered the dark side and used it. And that goes all the way to the the election of President Trump. I don't think Steve Bannon single-handedly or Gamer single-handedly are responsible for that. No, no, way. no. That's ridiculous. That's that's juvenile. But do they play a large role and 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 in my opinion an underreported or under talked about role? absolutely they did everything from the the rise of the online alt-right to the idea that there was things like meme magic and that like Pepe the frog was actually going to meme our president into power and and how richard spencer pulled into like all this shit it's it's all connected was one of those things and i know i sound like charlie and it's always sending like, <laughs> oh with all the lines and everything but it it, it is actually interconnected. I mean it is it's the internet is a web, if you haven't heard.
0: And, no, it's a series and because of, of tubes, that, get it right.
1: Yes, yes sorry. A series of interconnected <laughs> tubes. But because of that, and because people haven't realized that, that's that's the fascinating part of the story. Is I think it's really hard and like way more daunting than we were able to pull off or even understand, right? But it's really hard for people to try and actually connect all the dots because we usually think of these things in very linear terms. And the liberal media is the worst about this. They are the ones who will oh, put out stories that are it. just, well, I mean, you do this for a living. You analyze what they talk about. Actually, like, this isn't living. Where, this is
0: a side project. I have a job IRL. <laughs> I'm oh, full-time. Okay, well, this is a mind. side project,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> so you as a side project No, from your media analysis, but they're the ones who will come out and say, are gamers sexist? Are gamers racist? Are, you know, Channel 11 will teach you why and how or is the are Nazis online recruiting gamers? Is your son or daughter at risk? Find out at 11, tune in now.
0: Did Doom a- cause yeah. the latest school shooting? It's like
1: Yes, exactly. Or 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 does this lead to violence or sexual violence or does this game to lead and none of that is true. Like, every single study that's done on gamers and video games shows that, if anything, it makes violent people more complacent, right? Because all of a sudden, you're just more apathetic playing video games. It does not increase the, the violence. Like, the worst thing you can say about it is that it might make you more apathetic or or less or motivated towards doing certain tasks in certain conditions. But then, overwhelmingly, the analysis is that game game video games are not inherently bad. Gamers are not inherently bad. Just like you might... Already know this human beings are not inherently bad, white people aren't inherently eh. bad, you know. People aren't just... <laughs> like it's uh, men aren't inherently bad, cis people aren't inherently bad. All oh, much of uh, the worst parts of society and the way we oppress each other is all reinforced, both systemically through culture, through media. It's taught to us, we're <laughs> all um, reinforced with these things, but to point out, like it's the hip hop it's the rap music that's making us violent or it's the video games that are making us violent or whatever these subjects or topics they're trying to reduce so many systemic and environmental problems to a single like core issue a wedge issue and then i can hold up grand theft auto and be like if we could just ban this we would no longer have premarital sex if we <laughs> could just ban this there wouldn't be school shootings right and
0: uh, if i only mean it, it, that it sounds simple. ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> i know
1: but that's that's basically what the the gamergate rabbit hole and documentary was about
0: well yeah and and again i i encourage people to uh go watch it. and of course a link to lance's and the surfs uh like all their channels and socials will be down below but um The the other thing, like, to sort of still talk about Gamergate and the nature of gamers and stuff, um, I've never been as devout a gamer as some of my actual IRL friends are, or at least have been in the past. And, you know, you grow up, get, you know, more adult responsibilities, so you do it less, but you still do as much as you can with the free time you have, right? And Mm -hmm. I still had, like, a bunch of games that I loved, growing up and so growing up with friends and playing video games there is this kind of powerful nostalgia in there you know when when games seemed more free of like extra trappings and not having to buy as much and you know dlc and like oh there's all the talk of nfts in certain games and gamers even fought back against that saying absolutely not like it and, and so a and lot of people, NMT's right, like games. like I'm, 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 you know, spoiler alert for everyone, but there's a video that's, you know, it's going to be a long time coming, but it's called How Capitalism Ruined Video Games. Um, <laughs> and,
1: and it did. Check out Jim Sterling's channel and for it, more information. And it currently
0: <laughs> is, right? But I find that with a lot of gamers in online space, and, and like, I know I'm using that catch all term, and I know like there's good gamers, there's bad gamers, there's racist gamers, there's oh, non racist gamers, but yeah, there's definitely this kind of festering disquiet and uncertainty and like rage at the current system but a lot of them yep. lack the ability or the internal thought process or critical thinking to analyze what has brought the whole thing to this point and so when mm-hmm. they just want to be left alone for this activity that they love that you know it's it's an escape it's fun it gives them dopamine serotonin it's yep it, it, it's you know it's time with your online buddies because you're really struggling to make friends irl but these guys you play whatever it is it could be like a sports game or a shoot 'em up or like you're you're all just together an animal farm or something right like it's whatever game it is whether it's violent or not there's something very enjoyable and uh, a sense of community in some of these that aren't like single-player games and to see people try and challenge that and say you're at risk of being a serial killer or you're going to be, you know, some kind or of evil monster, you're, you're racist. sexist, racist, Like, yeah, it's all these different yep. things. And it's like, I just want to enjoy my hobby in peace, right? Yeah. But it's also it's in the, the background of all that other stuff that mm-hmm. then makes him want to like, I'm just so mad, like, oh, you people are the problem, it's not me. <laughs> and And it's that anger that you said that like st- people like Steve Bannon just latch on and pull on to be like, well, have you considered fascism, sonny boy? (laughs) And it's so unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way because of a variety of different factors, whether it's the liberal media analysis, like you touched on, or if it's just apathy, which could be a potential issue. Like there's, there's different ways that lead to the same terrible outcome. And like your video does a great job doing some extra analysis Um, of that which I was very um, appreciative to see because it isn't something that I found was talked about really recently except by anyone who wasn't like a terrible person who just really had a hate boner for Anita Sarkeesian and so (laughs) like that's the kind of like oh someone's talking about this in a non-terrible way so thank you for that Um, I, I, I thought there was a
1: big lack of leftist analysis of Gamergate to be honest, that was that was another gap that I, I felt that needed to be filled is that I've seen so many videos on Gamergate, but they're all done by neckbeards. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's,
0: yeah. <laughs> that, no, that's a, a whole, slur, a you're going to be complex. canceled now. Huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, but, but it is an entire industrial complex, right? The outrage culture. Machine doesn't just start and end at video games. It's all culture. It's basically all movies now. They're being replaced with characters who are no longer cis, male, heterosexual, white. And it's not even really the case overwhelmingly. There is still an overwhelming abundance of that, right? It's just that there are slight changes and improvements in that there are mainstream movies that have all asian cast members now there are mainstream comedies that have all black cast members now there are superhero movies that have diversity in them in the representation still not exactly what you want to see there's still complete lack of not binary people right there's still a complete lack of black trans women in, in film but like at the end of the day there is more than there used to be but that is enough that is just enough to be like culture is falling apart right now we are seeing the degradation of society right and to get like you just talked about the fact that there is online kids who are so angry about this kind of thing they're so angry about this kind of thing not because at the end of the day that group is inherently becoming more racist or more misogynistic solely by the virtue of them existing in those spheres it's because like you also mentioned the worst kind of people are able to tap into that and to tap into all the insecurities and the problems that people have of which are getting worse And there's two roads you can go. You can teach everyone this is the economic systems and the conditions that are leading and driving these things. Or we can scapegoat this shit with a whole bunch of reasons, right? Here's why women keep you down, okay? Here's why women manipulate you. Here's why people who don't look like you manipulate you. Here's why Jewish people manipulate you. Whatever it is, you pick it, right? You pick your othering this is going to work and it's going to be a lot more easy to recruit people because it pulls into it, like what they feel is actually attacking them. And then they can start to organize and get angry about this and go into the Kiwi farms and, and the 4chan. And, and, and it
0: feels and it, like it makes sense to them, right? So yes. Like, ah, the, the, so it, that's it, it why I'm feeling this way. Of course, it's women yes. in video games. It's like, n- Yes, no, it's but... women
1: in video games. It, it's immigrants coming over to our country. It's this, it's that. It's it's the Jewish cabal that is it's, keeping it's, us all in woke
0: scolds.
1: Like, It's woke. Schools. It's the big trans agenda. It's the big gay agenda. It's. I mean, the big trans agenda. Total sidebar. But the one that blows my mind is that that not only that conspiracy theory is prominent in britain to the point where prominent mps and prominent like trash newspapers will, will push this idea that there is a large trans lobby sometimes funded by george soros not always but large trans lobby that has an overwhelming amount of power power to influence people power to bully people online power to and i was like you were talking about one of the most marginalized groups in society it's like it is absurd that they are both simultaneously powerless and all powerful that's always how these things work like the jews control nothing and all media you know and now all at oh, once this is dude, like a, a problem I, i'm latino
0: i'm simultaneously a lazy immigrant who's like not doing mm-hmm. work or i'm a stereotypical hard worker right like the yeah yes like there's this weird <laughs> dichotomy that is almost never talked about but it's like i'm i'm, I'm, I'm like schrodinger's immigrant to someone even though i'm born and raised here like it's it's wild to me so, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things that just doesn't make sense. But to someone else who just wants to believe, you know, a simple, quick answer that is, like, completely lacking in analysis or, like, real deep, like critique or anything like that it's just i just want a quick simple easy answer even if it may be wrong because like that's all i got time for because like mm-hmm. i'm busy working two jobs and you know my wife doesn't love me the way she used to my money's not mm-hmm. going as far as it does and here's democrats talking about like taking a knee in kente cloth what the f- fuck are they doing yeah. right? like that's well, how it's it to touch liberals
1: right yeah of course and the other thing that that should be brought up that like people sometimes don't want to admit about themselves is that the things you are afraid of especially if you're afraid of something that you don't understand because i can point out to times in my life where I, here's where i had a, an inherently bigoted thought on something that i knew nothing about furries i see furries and i don't understand it and when i see it i see the cultures i see the con uh, c- conventions I immediately thought it was a weird sexual thing. I was like, oh, these are just a bunch of adults who like to dress up as animals and have sex with each other. And I don't want anything to do with it. Because I was like, I was younger when I first found out about furries. I think I found out about furries and bronies maybe in high school or end of high school, sort of college or whatever it was. But I just remember high
0: school. Yeah, when I was hearing about them. Okay. So
1: just that immediate, like, right away. I don't know anything about this they're weirdos, they're, they're perverts, they're degenerates, right? Just that, that line of thinking without any, I didn't need outside influence to do that to me. I, I didn't need going to an internet forum that, that, that made me want to hate it. That was just my initial impression of seeing something without having any knowledge about them, right? So think of what and how much more powerful that can be online if you A, don't understand something, and in the case of conservatives and far right, it's trans people. You don't understand this group, you don't know anything about them, and then immediately, you're kind of scared of it because of that, right? Throw in all of a sudden it's like, and now they're they're going to be going into bathrooms and molesting people. They're going to be going on the sports teams and molesting people because they all molest like all this. It 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 fuels that side of hatred and bigotry so much easier than you and me on the other end on the left trying to be like, Have you ever sat down and tried to rationalize a handful of things? It's very it's a lot easier if you think about this. Why would anyone choose to have such a harder life? Why would anyone choose to do this where they're getting vilified and ostracized by their friends, their family, blah, blah, blah? Like, why would anyone want to make life infinitely harder for themselves in every single possible category by doing something and you think it's for attention or you think it's because they have an agenda or you think it's, right? But that you and me have so much more pushing the hill, the rock up the hill to do that compared to, it's a lot easier. Someone online is just like, they're degenerates. They're perverts and they're degenerates. And you're like, okay, fine, you know? That's that sales pitch done. All right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's, that, took, that took two seconds. Yeah, that's, you're that's like I'm going to teach you about critical race theory and the lovers of power and how different groups oppress and impose. I'm like, oh.
0: no, you can't teach critical race theory. I refuse to have my child feel guilty for their white whiteness. It's like for their white oh, skin. Their- yeah, it's 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 kind of wild. Um, but it's but- challenging. Yeah, and and actually on the subject of like race and stuff like that, um, you know, to to tell them myself because no, I've never always been a good and perfect person, and I still am not by any stretch of the imagination. No one is. Um, but like, yeah, when when I was first beginning to learn about things like be online, so the idea of trans people. It was normally more by the more pejorative term. Um, furries mm. and juggalos were kind of like my big three of like, oh, what the fuck? Um, yeah. And basically since then and finding out more about these communities and what they've done and like the own growth and them trying to keep like fascist and terrible people out. It's like, I am so sorry that I just arbitrarily hated you when I was a teenager. Like, oh my I God.
1: I all all three, all three of those groups, super based. Like juggalos, super based. Furries, super super based. I had no idea how based furries are. You know <laughs> that one's that was the one of the biggest ones where you just take a step back. And you're like, oh. God damn the phrase are base. I was so wrong on that one. I was so wrong. I just, but I saw something I didn't understand. It doesn't make yeah. sense to me why, as an adult, you want to dress up as a fairy creature. And and in my head, I was like, and because it doesn't make sense to me, it must be wrong, right? And then all of a sudden, you're like, these are like the nicest, most amazing people in the world. They they fight fascism on a larger scale than a lot of other groups do. Like holy fuck, you know? Like fascist fairies do not last long in the furry community. They get ostracized so fast. Yeah, so fast.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard. I'm just like. Okay, like I actually fur is your base. I respect this. Yeah. Um Yeah, I respect them. But you know, that's just like we all have to go through our journeys um mm-hmm. to get there. And like sure, like the whole fur thing, I still don't understand it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, that that's not for me, but they're you know, as long as they don't harm anyone else, whatever, that's their business. Go live your best life, right? Mm-hmm. Um And so it's it's always weird to me, like as a kind of side tangent. When I see people talk about, you know, unlike you fucking snowflake, sorry boy cocks, <laughs> I'm not so easily offended. And it's like, dude, you literally yelled at a McDonald's service worker for 15 <laughs> minutes because of the rainbow on the fry box. Like, you are absolutely yeah. more bothered about, like, bullshit than I am. Like, what? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's so wild to me. And, like, there's there's that complete disconnect from you know what they think and feel to what is being experienced in the here and now and how they're also behaving and interacting with other people. And maybe it goes back to like that thing I was mentioning earlier about uh being just permanently online and getting part of the doom cycle and uh it's just about points like you know who can score a point against who and like you know that's it, aha, my team's winning, my side's winning. Um and and like maybe it's something completely different. Um, but the reason why I bring this up is because I do want to also sort of retouch on aspects of like race and you know pushing back on uh, marginalized people and stuff like that. Of like, oh, there's more representation. That's why it's the death of society. It's actually you know weird to me to see that because I remember hearing a really great analysis or like a, a metaphor for this is it's like a basketball game. And white people have been running up the score for about 200 years. And now that the other team, you know, whatever the other is in your mind, has gotten a few three-pointers in a row, you're complaining about them, you know, having an unfair advantage without seeing that the game has been going on for two centuries and the score is now like a hundred and three to eight right like it's Mm -hmm. it's so surreal to kind of see that that kind of um pushback and like i know that i sound white right a lot of my mannerisms are white and i've gotten this before like oh well you don't sound latino or you don't sound canadian because i'm supposed to talk like this eh? like it it, it's (laughs) weird stupid stuff like that um But because of that, and because sometimes people think I'm like some version of white, like from Southern Europe or something, Mm -hmm. people will sometimes let slip some really racist, terrible stuff, either in an online space back in the day, like in, you know, old old gaming days. So I'm aware that there's some racist gamers out there. Um, or it's just like people who don't know me at a party and they're saying like, man, I don't know about you, but like, I never trust black people. I'm like, um, my dad's black. Like what? And then they're like, (laughs) "Uh Oh, like (laughs) danger mode. Right. So, you know, sometimes people let the mask slip and let you, you know, see and hear things that they wouldn't admit if other people were in the room. And right. so this, or if is you also if you like, weren't even
1: white passing, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, or white passing enough in a situation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or 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 yeah. or cis passing, right? Or or fem passing, right. and like that's also part of the problem or, of yeah, like, whatever, the, what, oh, whatever whatever oh this, it may and then be. it's yeah. kind of like, um, am I in a dangerous situation here? And then, um, for me, it's also about trust issues because it's like, oh, so this is what they felt comfortable saying, you know, if you know people like me or my dad were not in the room, and they would just mm-hmm. say it to other people. So it's like a trust issue for me um have you had similar experiences because as you've mentioned before like you um you are like um cis passing and white passing but like i and, and many passing. others know that that you're not
1: so <laughs> no well sorry no i'm not cis passing i am cis I'm oh sorry cis. sorry my bad i yeah. must have misheard earlier um i'm 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 straight passing in that like most people assume i'm 100 straight so i never have to worry about someone like just calling me an f-slur uh unless i specifically told them hey by the way i'm bi um i'm uh and i'm white passing in that i'm i'm white as all hell but like my mother's indigenous and because of that it's one of the reasons why i don't have any chest hair like if you saw me shirtless you'd be like oh lance you wax everywhere i was like no i don't that's <laughs> that's actually it's it's the genetics kind of way i also can't grow sexy beard, right? lance like, calendar yeah.
0: when as a fundraiser for all the boys well, and girls and those in between come on
1: <laughs> It's, it's never going to be sexy enough because I can't grow beards. That's another one of those things, right? But it's not – both of those are not something anyone would ever know unless they had a conversation with me or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, like, that's that's where, like, extreme – so you can call – some people say white pass or whatever i'm just like i'm white I, I like i get i get a question a lot sometimes from indigenous friends or indigenous like people on on twitter and stuff like that like why don't you say that you are like the world's most famous indigenous streamer or like one of the biggest indigenous streamers ever or like something like that so that it gives representation to the indigenous community and and to me i was like it's my personal experience and everyone will have a different one right is that I I don't use that because I am part Indigenous. That is absolutely one hundred percent true. I'm very proud of my mother. I'm very proud of the you know being part of the Métis community. I I am a card carrying member of uh, the BC Métis Federation, for example. Wow. But at the same time, I want people to acknowledge what these concepts are as well, such as the concept of whiteness. And I think people have really hard time wrapping their head around that especially if it's not something they've been introduced to before so for them i try to explain it to them like hey if i go to a shopper's drug mart uh the security guard if i go with an indigenous friend who looks visibly indigenous is going to follow him around the store the whole time not gonna take two seconds of a look at me and never will. And then like that if the police stop me and pulled me over, I can talk my way out of that situation. He cannot. He will get detained most likely. He he may get breathalyzed, he may get that. I won't. This is this is the difference in experience. So this is what I want to try and explain or use use my venue to explain to people. And then in addition to that, am I very, very proud of my indigenous mother? Absolutely. Love her. She's a fucking she's a warrior. She's incredible. Um, and and also explain to people about how things like, hey, it's it this may sound weird to you because I'm as white as the driven snow. I uh, bet you've never seen a whiter person who has a dad who was born in Santiago, Chile, right? Who came from Catalonia. That that in and of itself might surprise you. And then you know, I, I have a mother who, who's who's Métis whose family you know goes all the way back to Louis Riel. Apparently, one of them was a sharpshooter for Louis Riel. So that's that's really cool and awesome as well, right? Like badass, yeah, super badass and history. And I'm white, so it's, it's like it's 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 almost so. To try and teach people, it gives me more utility to try and get people to understand how race is made up, how it doesn't matter at all at the end of the day, um, in terms of like one person's uh, superiority to another person's based on something that doesn't exist, that it is not real. And you have to acknowledge the way society oppresses people for something that is not real and why that's a problem, because it shouldn't be that way. It's arbitrary. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But if we look at so many vectors, people in different racial categories are oppressed for different reasons. And and that's, uh, that's a shitty thing that I think we're trying to fight.
0: Yep. And um, actually it, it, that's relevant because um, uh, when Camazos was on this program, it's something we talked about, about the idea of whiteness and how different groups who traditionally had been more associated with their ethnicity or like national background just became collectively white and others who were not seen as like white or full white were eventually adopted into whiteness when it became politically expedient to do so because of other shifting demographics
1: italians the irish yeah yeah there's, e- there's exactly. different white there's different whiteness throughout years but that's it's so arbitrary that there are different white groups <laughs> and you can well, hate other people even though they're white clearly you're like you're white but it's like oh, no, no no they're not real whites, <laughs> Those yeah, are the it's, bad it's, whites. it's also
0: <laughs> wild and uh, like there's actually that story of um uh um a black woman in oklahoma back in the day where uh her plot of land was actually on an oil reserve uh they still had the title to it and so they like got very rich and she became so rich that like the oklahoma supreme court basically declared her to be white like oh. it, yeah it was like oh I, I okay that. this That's is wild. fascinating <laughs> and also horrifying <laughs> um seems yeah isn't that just so
1: a time with that story <laughs> let me tell you yeah
0: i mean for sure um and it's it just really shows how how ridiculous a lot of it is and how it's about like power dynamics um no oh, it is but uh the the other thing that like when we were talking about it was also kind of fascinating which i pointed out and which hopefully um people can take to heart as more people spread awareness of it because you know back in the gamer days a lot of people were like why am i made to you know feel bad about my my race and you know, why why am i why do black people get black pride and why don't i get white pride and it's like we literally, you know, just a week ago had a festival celebrating a group of white people. It was called St. Patty's Day, where everyone who's <laughs> part Irish is allowed to celebrate. We are currently all becoming like, you know, Ukrainian stands and like Zelensky fans and everything like that. Everyone's like all into everything Ukraine now.
1: And again, yeah, there's like Ukrainian
0: what... festivals, there's Polish festivals, there's Little Italy's, there's Italian festivals. But it there's, doesn't there's the matter because that's about but the actual the ethnicity. Black right. people don't that's have it. that opportunity because of their history in the Americas.
1: Correct. Yes, absolutely. That's that's that that's the part that I think and that's the one that like I want I want to have I want to be able to teach those lessons to people who haven't had an idea about it yet, and people get very very defensive, especially white people, when you kind of like try to talk to them about these issues, right? And I say this as a white person, as a white person who's come to terms with some of those bigger concepts and issues, right? Where you're listening to them, and all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, but that does, that doesn't really apply to me, and like why why is it not okay to say you know a certain thing? Like when I was watching a video not too long ago. Uh, maybe like a year ago of a white supremacist kind of like on the street rally in one of those Antifa versus Proud Boys, whatever, fighting. And there was a little teenager there who was, and the teenager was asked like, why are you here part of this like neo-Nazi group? And he was like, it was just really cool to see a group online say it was okay to be white. It was just really cool to see like, and say white pride. And he's like, and I haven't had that anywhere else. Like nowhere else makes me feel proud. I feel like I'm a bad person everywhere I talk. And so like, I'm not trying to empathize with a kid who's clearly on his way to becoming a white nationalist and or already like halfway there, right? But I'm I'm trying to explain to people, why does that appeal to them? Why is the Groyper movement really huge? Why are white supremacist groups really huge? What, what exactly is very appealing about those movements? Why are there so many white right-wing militias in the United States that are gaining more power the, the main reason being is that that is, the, that is, again, it's a sense of community. It's the eye online between the conservatives telling me CRT is being taught in schools and the teachers telling me that I have all this privilege when I don't even know what the fuck is privileged about me. I'm broke as fuck, right? Or or this or that, right? This is a group online that is saying, you are okay for who you are. And I don't feel that anywhere else. And even if it's wrong, because they're they're pushing an agenda, they're pushing an idea that is fake. They're pushing, it's okay to feel right for a fake thing and here's the fake thing we're giving you, right? That is why it recruits, that is why it pulls them in. And again, that's why I've always felt there's more there's more lifting for people who wanna tell the truth and, and, and debunk that than there is for the people to, looking to recruit, much easier to recruit than to be like, all right, I wanna explain to you what you just told me, right? Which is that while there's no such thing as race, you have to understand why there is such a thing as black pride as opposed to a thing like white pride where it is completely okay and totally tolerable for you to have Italian pride irish pride right like australian pride new zealand pride well okay not italian but every other pride it's totally acceptable and totally fine to do right but
0: wait not not why italian or did you mean not australian
1: <laughs> no, I'm, no i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> no it's fine it is hey spicy take it's fine to be a proud italian it is it's like it's 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 totally fine to uh. be a proud whatever ethnic background you have right it, it, like i i'm i'm, I'm like people have to understand why that is different than saying I have white pride or any of that kind of stuff. Why, why that is a con- as a concept is, is just like it's, it's false <laughs> and it perpetuates yeah. these problems where things like black pride do not based on, again, the history of the American experience.
0: Yeah, also like here in Canada, Brazil, like anywhere in the Western Hemisphere, basically. So like, I just want to go back real quick um, for a hot second. You had mentioned the Groypers. I've heard this term before, like very rarely. Who and what are the Groypers?
1: Oh, okay. So the Gripers are the name of the individuals who affiliate themselves with Nick Fuentes and his movement, which is the America First movement. Yeah. Um, The thing with the Gripers and the thing with Alex Jones and the things with a lot of really far-right organizations online that do not rely at all on legacy or uh, online media, mainstream media, like they don't survive because they are alt-right or neo-Nazis, right? They don't survive on uh, Twitter. They don't survive on YouTube. They don't survive on Facebook. But they thrive in their own online communities that do require a lot of like outside pulling in uh, to be able to recruit because they don't have the same thing that other people get in the algorithm boosting of like, you know, mainstream uh, internet sites, but they are ex- exceptionally popular. Nick Fuentes gets numbers that are comparable sometimes to Hassan Piker, and this is a person who is not broadcasting on the biggest uh, streaming platform in the world. He's broadcasting on his own website. Uh, and so... Don't think I'm gonna idea- keep that
0: website in the thing though. I might have to bleep that. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, want to give yeah, him please. free views. Yeah, know. yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Bleep, bleep his website. But what, whatever his website is, everyone knows what Alex Jones's website is, right? They are still maintaining very vast large growing empires, but a lot of that has to do with uh, external recruitment too. So every single person that Nick Fuentes talks to, Nick Fuentes is a lot more militant in both his... Uh, advocacy and his IRL stuff. You will see him on the streets of January 6th with the megaphone straight up being like, this is about ushering in a new era of misogynistic Christian dominated white culture, stuff like that. And in his own online recruitment, his fans and fan base are encouraged to continue to expand their tentacles online. So it would be like if you were like, hey, Bothered Brigade, here's what's bothering me today. I'm glad you've all enjoyed my my rant. Now I'm going to ask that every single one of you goes out and starts recruiting to the Bothered Brigade. So I need every single one of you to go onto Reddit and to spread my videos. Right, if there's 500 people who watch that, that should be 500 people of you who go post to Reddit. After you've done that, here's the list of forums you should all be going to and recruiting because we're going to recruit more people into the Bothered Brigade project. And then what it sounds like to you maybe right now is that that sounds like someone who's doing a vanity project, right? But it's a mix. In the case of Niquentes sure, he loves having these massive, huge numbers and the recruitment helps do that. But at the same time, he is actively trying to push for an agenda that is, like, there's no two ways about it. This is about white supremacist in the purest sense, about the superiority of white people, how they should dominate the other races and how do we usher in this new era of that in and within America. And so that part of it has people who will run for office it has people and this is not just him qanon alex jones crew far right or, or even the you know the ancap organizations they will then go on and, and do recruiting things on, on 4chan on kiwi farms being like how do we get into local office here how do we get into local office there and that makes them dangerous and very politically effective in a way the left is not emulating Right, there, there is no every single like everyone has their own advocacy. I advocate for people to be into local and smaller governments. I'm, I'm sure you do as well, right? But also direct action, working to programs that help feed people, working the programs that help house the homeless. Whatever it is, find the thing that you can do in your local community to better it. This is people who are actively trying to change the landscape of this country and Canada as well, and 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 being, I would say, more effective uh, politically effective at doing that. So there has to be. At one point or another, um, a decided cooperation amongst leftist advocacy and leftist groups to say, hey, by the way, we do want to push for... Victories in local and larger governments. We do want to push in for victories in direct action. We do want to push in for victories in unionization efforts and in local cooperatives. We want to push in and be working collectively towards that. Yeah, we're always going to have the drama, the petty drama, and the stuff that makes us fight. And that's what people watch. And like, you should use it. You should use when eyes are on you. Say you made a video not too long ago, I think, where you went after a whole bunch of like leftist people who you didn't like how they were talking about a certain topic. I can't remember oh, exactly. Uh, it was
0: like Ryan Knight, was in there uh, kyle kalinsky and a few others because they were talking about the freedom convoy in canada and it's like right shut right. the fuck up you don't care about my country you never did sit down let me handle this
1: right but when you did that were the views quite nice were they nicer than your normal views because all of a sudden it had kyle kalinsky and maybe i don't know vosh or someone else in the yeah vosh was in the and thumbnail
0: because i cause and people like why is he in the thumbnail I'm like you barely mentioned the video and i'm like so it's because of his terrible take saying that canada needs to send in the military so um
1: <laughs> yeah But my point being is... It, we're going to do that regardless there's like there's no there's no streamer or content creator no matter how noble or pure they are who's not going to at one point or another talk about drama because we're human beings and that's what human beings do we talk about interpersonal conflicts uh, both in irl and online this is just a, a different version of how we interact with each other in the real world so we're going to do that you might as well do it like the way you did or like some other people do hey i'm going to be talking about drama today because so and so was a super poopoo pee and i want to just talk about how poopoo and pee-pee they are but Let's use this as an opportunity to say, not only are they wrong, but a better solution to this would be if you were to get involved in making a community fridge for your area if you can't find people to help you with this or get into doing direct action or get into making affordable housing a reality or get into unionizing in your workplace or get it like whatever it is, let's let's use the drama because we're going to be taking clicks away from other people who'd be just watching drama anyways and then trying to pivot that into... Some, some direct action or some praxis or whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. But that's like one of the many sort of background projects I'm working on or trying to work on. It's obviously slow going, but there has been progress that's been made, Um, which is good. And so uh then like the last few questions, because I know you got to get going, what radicalized you that made you become a leftist?
1: Um I wish everyone had a, a cool, inciting incident. It was at that moment that I knew I was destined to be the leftist. <laughs> um, I, no, my, my, mine is mine is slow moving, uh, and uh, just various points in my life obviously have bigger moments that that inspired me one way or another. I grew up with a a father who comes from a, a very long line of socialists. They literally fought Franco uh, in in Catalonia and had to flee Catalonia. Um, because of the persecution of the Catalonians that were being done by the Franco regime. So that's why they went to uh, Chile. Uh, and then to Venezuela. So I, I come from uh, like a family that always had kind of either lefty or leftist beliefs in that regard. My mother being an indigenous environmental activist also probably influenced me quite a bit. That was a big thing. Uh, and then yeah, there's been big events throughout my life that obviously one way or another really radicalized me. um I mean, seeing her get arrested was obviously a, a big moment where I was like, holy fuck, fuck you. Was um, that like a pipeline but, uh,
0: protest or?
1: Yeah, it was at a pipeline protest. Um, and yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of those kind of things that are... Some of them were things I'd probably talk about publicly. Others are things I would never talk about publicly. But just moments in your life where one point or another, it just keeps leading you towards wanting to go down that rabbit hole. I'm also... It's, the shittier answer is that I was into a lot of the edgy atheist writers when they were at their zenith, uh, so the Four Horsemen, right? Um, and I really loved Hitchens and I really loved Dawkins and I read so much Richard Dawkins at that time. Always hated Sam Harris. He was always a dick. But Dawkins and Hitchens, I was just, like, ravenous. Like, every book they put out, I was like, I want to learn more. Learn about the selfish gene. Learn about evolution. uh, the greatest show on Earth. I know so much more about everyone else. Um, because I also just liked how that flew in the face of, like, you know, the the Christian... Uh, but the aspect of that that I, I still like to this day was the kind of problem solving like everyone likes wants to understand how things work and everyone wants to understand why things appear the way they do and then once you get into sociology and you start reading like a fanon uh and even you know going back to the theory the theorists and and you know the Marx and the angles and stuff like that once you start reading all that kind of stuff, you start to understand why society works the way it does, right? It's not just like how the, the edgy atheists were, were telling you about how um, uh, religion is a lie, and they've been lying to you for this variety of historical reasons. This is like, and this is from the sociologists, why society and, and these economic systems produce the same uh, repeated results as a result of this, right? And so that aspect is really fascinating too. That's why I, I think it is really neat once you unlock that, like that treasure tome of like, oh, neat. So this is why there is all this theory. And these are all the answers that it kind of gives us. These are all the things that I didn't know or understand before. Critical race theory is, is a really good job of explaining uh, I understand
0: the mysteries in... of the universe now.
1: There you have it. There, I don't even have to go down a longer rant than that. So that's, that, that. yeah, that was obviously another thing.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that answer. And then final question, the fun one. When we eventually eat the rich... Which rich person should we eat first and why?
1: Uh, when we eventually eat the rich, rich, rich person should we eat first and why? Um, I do not think we should literally eat the rich. I know this is going to be a spicy take.
0: <laughs> Boo! Uh, because, <laughs> I know, Cannibalism is because... good now, come on.
1: <laughs> because my understanding is that cannibalism leads to a neurodegenerative disease called FUBU, or no, is that the name of it? It's there, There's a name for a disease that happens exclusively if you uh, eat people. Uh, and I wouldn't want a whole bunch of people who had just achieved uh, a revolution or whatever it was where rich people were now up for consumption uh, to suddenly get a, a a bad disease as a result of it so maybe what i'll say is just for for funsies um we'll get elon musk we won't eat him we won't we won't cook him uh but we'll we'll get him to be uh i think the greatest punishment we could give elon musk is perpetually making him think that he's a very good and talented inventor and that he's changing the world when he has absolutely no contribution to it so we'll maybe i'll just we'll invent a big chungus machine 420 epic memes bro that consistently makes him think that he's doing really important things but he's all he's off in the corner somewhere soiling himself we'll we'll do that
0: that's kind of dark okay <laughs> no, you know what? I, I like it though because we're getting all different kinds of, of of answers, Mildred was very thoughtful and be like, so you know who I think you know by eating them we like add to the greater good, in terms of who hmm. would taste the best, like a whole categorization. <laughs> who Camazotz, being it? a chef, was like you you need a good marbling and like, <laughs> and, and you're just like was... I mean we're not gonna eat them, but I propose this like kind of like psychological torture device. <laughs> wow <laughs> <though>. okay we <laughs> are getting all kinds of answers here now I love it uh, alright well I think on that for, I for, for to get the record going.
1: I do not believe in torture I do not believe in capital punishment I just want that to be. that's a matter of like uh, this is all in Roblox we've Roblox ourselves <laughs> now I'm, no, I'm in, safe in, in, in if, if ever I'm clipped out of context
0: yes yeah, the whole in, thing was a, in, thing in, in Minecraft this is fine and uh, for legal purposes that was a joke so that's where we're gonna leave it folks <laughs> Hi, Bother Brigade. Thank you once again for tuning in to yet another episode of Progressive Profiles. And this one is also kind of special because it's the season finale. Thank you again to Lance for being a guest and putting the capstone on this first season. And I hope that people have enjoyed this series so far, but please let me know in the comments below what you like not only about this video, but also about other episodes. What was your favorite? from this year you know what are some other guests that you would like us to bring on in the future so please let me know down below or in the comment section wherever this may be for those who are listening or watching and with that again i want to thank the patrons that i have over on patreon y'all are amazing you continue to support me and this show and like the original Bother boy channel like thank you all so much. I know these are very wild and crazy times, which of course we talked about with Lance. So once again, thank you for coming on this journey with me. Here's to next year and next season with 12 more guests. But the fact that I'm going to have to think about the 12 who I can bring on because there's way too many awesome people that I would love to have interviews with is definitely what's bothering me today.